fantastic uh, runs for the uh, Hot Wheels cars. That is awesome. <laughs> That's that is the that is the kid equivalent of Dynasty redraft and best ball. There we go. <laughs> the trifecta and DFS if you want to go go crazy. You guys, ready to roll? Yeah, hundred percent. All right, Fantasyland. Appreciate you guys joining us tonight for another Monday night tailgate. If you're a Packers fan or a Bucks fan, apologize. We probably can't help you out. But if you're a fantasy player, stick with us. We're going to help you through the carnage. Let's get to it, guys. We got a big one tonight. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. That's basically the NFL to every fantasy player after week six. Guys, welcome to the district. We've got a big Monday night fantasy football show for you tonight. Pre-NFL, pre-Monday night football. So we get you a little warmed up before the game. We get a little, uh, you know, review of the carnage that we felt this weekend. And Theo, we have a monster guest tonight. Why don't you walk this man in proper and get this thing started? Uh, so I'm excited that we have Jim Coventry in the house. He's someone that I've wanted to get on the Go District for a while. Uh, Jim puts out great work on Rotowire and also Sirius. Um, he's just a very sharp guy. I always appreciate his takes. And uh, he, welcome to the Go District, Jim. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And let everybody know where they can find your work and what you're putting out during the season. Yeah, the easiest place to find me is on Twitter, at Jim Coventry NFL. I've been doing threads every week, going over early in the week, going over player trends and what they mean to you. Later in the week, I will give you a couple props, but I'll completely give you the layout as to why you might like that prop. Same thing with a few sports gambling tips. Of course, you can catch me on Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Channel every Saturday, 1 to 3 Eastern, every Sunday, 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern, occasionally on weeknights when I sub, and then at RotoWire. That's another great place to catch me, but that's if you're a subscriber. Awesome. Yeah, no, we highly recommend Jim's work, and uh, definitely check out the stuff he's putting out. For sure. All right. We got a big one tonight. As you guys know, we try to touch on the hottest topics. Uh, like we talked, a, a lot of messy stuff happened this weekend, whether you're talking injuries, uh, just disappointments. So I don't know, Dan, maybe you start this off. I know you kind of lined up some of these questions to give us a bit of a guidance. Uh, we might go off the rails, but let's get this thing uh, kicked off. I'll be disappointed if we don't go off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, so let's start out in Jacksonville, uh, where we had James Robinson managing only to log 12 total snaps and one single opportunity, uh, which was an unresolved target. And that basically put Travis Etienne into a workhorse role. Uh, so what do you guys think? Is that Robinson nur nursing an unreported injury, or is Etienne just shoving him to the curb? Uh, Jim, where, where are you at on that? So a number of people had asked me, I do a live stream on the RotoWire YouTube every Sunday. People ask me lineup questions, and a lot of them ask me, do I start Travis Etienne? And what I pointed out, I always explained the why. And I said, I see some writing on the wall. Etienne is about to go off. And what the problem for Jacksonville was simple. As I've studied the NFL throughout the season, I'm noticing some very important trends. Notice early in the season, a lot of teams were getting a lot of room to operate underneath. 
Hence, it was Jacksonville with Christian Kirk. But the teams that don't have juice at wide receiver, I noticed opposing defenses are compressing the defense, and it's giving the offenses less options. So what these teams need to have any chance is they have to come up with some explosive options. What Jacksonville needs is an explosive receiver. They don't have that. Their next best option was going to have to deploy ETN in some way to put some stress on the opposing defense. Now, did I see him getting all the snaps? No. I thought he would take over the lead. It's been incrementally going that way for a while. And Robinson's a very good player. But the greatest need of the Jaguars right now is explosiveness, and that's why they had to turn ETN. I thought it might be like 65-35. It was literally 99-1. and yeah, I, th- I think Jim hit the nail on the head. Um, they lack an explosive element, and they lack team speed. And getting Travis Etienne out in space, getting him the carries necessary, and he had five targets this past weekend. I mean, he is he's the show. Uh, he looks fantastic. I think that if you were able to survive those first few weeks as a Travis Etienne drafter, then you really, really like your chances um, You know, the rest of the fantasy season because – I mean, I, we throw out the word league winner a lot. There's about 50 league winners at this point, um, uh, but a couple less after this weekend. But Travis Etienne certainly looks like one of them because he's ascending. Yep, yep, for sure. Any any thoughts on that, JD? I was just going to say, this isn't the first time we see this, guys, where, you know, you, you, we talk about bridge players, right? When we talk about quarterbacks, this is these NFL teams, some of them are blessed by finding a James Robinson. Etienne's coming off an injury. They know what they have in them. There's no need for them to rush in. They're not playing for a Super Bowl this year yet anyways. So why not let James Robinson perform? He was coming back from injury as well, but he's able to to kind of get back to where he left off. And it it takes the pressure off of these younger rookie running backs like Etienne. And we saw the same thing with Brees Brees Hall. We saw the same thing with Jonathan Taylor. You see, uh, you know, they fill in the blanks until these guys are ready. They don't need to rush them. But when they bring him in, they're going to bring him in and they're going to take over. And that's why I feel, you know, you were a big proponent of taking Etienne. This channel was a big proponent of taking Etienne. So now we're just, you know, it took us seven, eight weeks. But like I said, guys, it's fantasy. you got to be patient, especially with the younger players. And that's what we're reaping from right now. Hopefully it continues. Yep, absolutely. And and we did say last week, uh, keep him in your lineups or get him in your lineups if he's not there because we, we were saying the explosion is coming. So definitely happened. Um, let's, let's move to New York, um, and hard to talk about it, but man, Zach Wilson has really created the fantasy viability of every single one of his receiving weapons. And right on top of that, Brees Hall done for the year. Are we holding out any hope for Jets players other than Michael Carter, or is it any chance that the Jets would go back to Flacco anytime soon? Jim, what do you think? So it's a great question, and I actually brought some. I do a Monday live stream going over the top five things I saw from Sunday, and that was one that, wow, they probably should go to Joe Flacco. Now I'll make a comparison. When Pittsburgh went to Kenny Pickett, I believe that the veteran leadership in the locker room said something to Mike Tomlin, like, look, we are here to win. We're not just here to tread water. And they probably felt they had a better chance. The Jets don't have a very veteran locker room. So I really wonder how much they're going to push Robert Sala to go ahead and do this. Now, they're 5-2, and and they have a good defense, a legit chance to make the playoffs. And especially with Brees Hall gone now, with him gone, this offense is going to be in a world of hurt. Honestly, and funny, Flacco is their only chance to be able to pull this season through and be a playoff team. I don't know if Sala has the, the mindfulness to do it. Yeah, fair, fair enough. I think yep. that this is this is a big week um, for for the whole Zach Wilson experiment because they're going to play the Patriots on a short week. I live on Long Island. Jets fans are starving for a, a season like this. The Brees Hall loss is like the wind out of the sails, but a win over the Patriots would would go a long way for for kind of the goodwill, also the trajectory of the which way this team is going, um, and. Also, you know, Zach Wilson surviving another week. But it's the Patriots defense, and then it's the Bills defense. Both games are in New, in New Jersey. Um, you know, they're home games for the Jets. Uh, so they're, I, I, think it's, I think it's thin ice. I mean, 
you can make an argument for for going to Flacco. I mean, Wilson looks really bad to me. I mean, I think anybody who watches football notices he's he's one of the worst quarterbacks you watch. Um, you know, among all the starters at this point. So, but hey, if they if they move to six and two and beat the Patriots, you know, you're able to overlook a lot of shortcomings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's so good looking, right, Theo? And and uh, Elijah Moore is coming back this this uh, this week. And, you know, we were, we're big on Elijah. He, he was awesome last year. We thought there'd still be room, you know, as this offense grows for him to keep growing. But you look at his splits in and out with, with, with and without Zach Wilson, you're talking about almost 20 points per game out of the split and 7.8, under 7.8 with Zach Wilson at quarterback. So that's one example of one of their weapons with and without the quarterback. As good as he is with, you know, with the ladies and maybe, the, you know, Maybe maybe mothers out there, you know, uh, it, it, it is rocky. And the thing with the thing with Flacco with me is even if he comes in, does well, you always worry about these guys coming in and keep, and keeping it up. Well, I'm knocking everything over here and keeping it up. You know what I mean? That's that's a problem with these backup quarterbacks. I wonder if the and I'm curious to hear Dan on this one. You we have like the perfect storm for Elijah Moore because they lose their best offensive weapon by a mile. They have the the meeting where Elijah Moore, you know, basically is told not to play this week because of his attitude is how I'm reading it. But now he couldn't could we see like force fed manufactured low A dot touches for Elijah Moore just to move the ball? Because I get the Michael Carter argument and we like Michael Carter in the GOAT district, but he can't do what Brees Hall can do. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a lot of this is going to go through Carter, no matter what. I mean, you know, I, we know he can't do what Brees can do, but um, he's going to certainly get his opportunities to try. And, you know, really it's going to kind of come down to, you know, what can Zach Wilson do? Um, you know, maybe they can manufacture some some one more dot touches for uh, Garrett Wilson, for Elijah Moore, uh, you know, give him a little bit of the squeaky wheel treatment, I don't think is – is totally out of the realm of possibility. But, uh, you know, for me with Zach Wilson, just what I see is he's, he's frantic when the play breaks down. He just does not know what to do. Uh, you know, there was a, there was a series where the, he, he threw, he ran to his right and then he throws late across the middle, uh, able to get nothing on the ball, you know, it, and this is like, probably seven seconds into the play or something like that. I mean, you just cannot make that throw. There's no NFL quarterback who can make that throw. Um, you're just asking for bad things to happen. He was fortunate that it didn't get intercepted, but, you know, it's it, those are the kind of plays that uh, sooner or later they're going to hurt you. Um, and then, the you know, the very next series, um, he's over on the left side of the field. He, he You know, he gets forced way back, and he can't even get the ball to the line of scrimmage. He probably could have gotten grounding called on him. Um, you know, so I, I think they've got to get Flacco in there if they want to win, but, uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe, uh, maybe Wilson can put something together here. So let's, let's move on to, uh, Carolina, another very surprising, uh, outcome. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there was a lot of surprises in that game. Uh, first and foremost, fantasy wise, I think was probably DJ Moore pulling, uh, his undertaker, Jeff and uh, you know just pretty much we everybody that I know of benched DJ Moore and of course so this is the week where he he comes back to life uh, PJ Walker finally figures out how to throw a pass past the line of scrimmage and he had DJ Moore had 10 of 21 total targets in the offense which is crazy meanwhile Chuba Hubbard Dante Foreman nobody really was very excited about them everybody's like well maybe I'll roster him uh, leave him on the bench, see what happens. Tampa Bay's got this great rush defense. So we know that that's, that's going to be ugly. And we figured Tampa Tampa's offense would just boat race on Carolina. And none of this happened. I mean, basically, Hubbard and uh, Foreman ran wild, and, uh, and, and Tampa's offense couldn't get anything going. So what do we think? Is Carolina coming off the map? Uh, can we trust any of those players in the coming weeks, specifically D.J. Moore, Chuba and uh, Dante Foreman. So we've got a number of elements going on. They're all kind of mutually exclusive. The first thing is in terms of the Carolina offense. So once Christian McCaffrey got traded Thursday night, I believe the mental aspect of the game took over for the Bucs. 
when you mentally believe, oh, well, they don't have any weapons. We won this game. I know they let down because they didn't think this was a serious threat. They could have showed up in their sleep. They also deactivated Carlton Davis, their great outside corner. I didn't think he was set to miss the game. I don't know if it was a late scratch because they didn't worry about this game. Sean Murphy bunting was out as well. So two of their top three corners are down. Now, back. so in terms of DJ Moore getting done, I believe it was a combination of the defense wasn't on point and they were missing two corners. That certainly helped. The run game, I do want to point out, Tampa Bay used to be a very good run defense. Middle of the season last year on, they went from being very, very quickly a great defense. They are now, I see them, a below average run defense. And they have gotten worse from the second half of last year to this year. They really don't stop anybody that commits to the run against them anymore. They've lost a number of the big interior linemen they had due to age and the people they brought in. Akeem Hicks hasn't played in weeks. They don't have ability. They have guys at the, at the linebacking unit who can tackle, but they're not good run stoppers. So it was a little storm there. Now, I don't want to carry on too long because people get tired of hearing me, but the, the Tampa Bay offense, I have a larger scale theory as to why just not Brady is struggling, but Aaron Rodgers and another ops, a group of offense. Do you guys want to hear it? I yes, will? Yep. Yes, yes, we do. do it. All right, this is huge. So basically, the offenses were winning the league for a number of years. Basically, when Brady and other veteran quarterbacks, they would know what the defense was doing pre-snap. They pretty much knew what they're – they didn't have to read the defense post-snap. They already knew where they were going. And some ways they tipped it off. Motion would tell you whether it was man or whether it was zone. Basically, the positioning of the middle linebacker would tell you how the run defense was set up. The defense is caught up this year. And here's why we see lower scoring in the NFL and why Brady and Rodgers and others are struggling. First of all, defenses are using disguised pressures. Sometimes they're putting five defensive linemen up, dropping people in and out because the offensive linemen don't know their responsibilities because they don't know where the pressure is coming from and who's dropping out. That's one of the first elements. A second part of the element is teams are using less men in the box, even though they're using five linemen, and they're stunting. And the stunting is doing two things. It's helping them attack the run game in a non-conventional way that's working with less bodies. And they're also identifying most of these teams weak links in the offensive line, and they're getting pressure that way. Now, last couple things. Brady had that cheat code where he knew that everything pre-snap, he knew it was going to happen. That's no longer there. He does not know the play before it's there. And therefore, he doesn't have the advantage he always had. Notice the quarterbacks who are tearing the leagues up. It's all of the ones with elite physical talent, the ones who can throw the ball into the tightest of windows because the zone defense on the back end, they're getting smarter. They're, they're, they're manipulating offenses. They're passing off coverage better, and they're giving tighter throwing lanes. Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, sometimes Joe Burrow. It's the upper echelon quarterbacks that could beat this. So I, that's what I wanted to point out. But there's a real reason to why these struggles are going on, guys. Smash, smash the like button, everybody. This is yes. this is a guest smash for the like. district. Yeah, man. I think, I think Jim Jim kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's you um, can't handle the truth. It's not. It's not just you know what what Carolina did. It's that the 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 pressure was not put on them by Tampa Bay. I know if you look at the counting stats at the end of the day, there was, you know, some decent amount of yardage in terms of the passing game, but they could not run the ball. They had the wide open bomb to Mike Evans that was dropped. If he simply just catches that and finds the end zone to start the game, it might be a completely different ball game. But I think that the 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 Tampa Bay defense, you know, has has been middling, but lacking that offense that keeps that pressure on them, like we saw in the Dallas game. The Dallas game where Julio Jones was healthy, where everybody was healthy, it was a complete domination in Dallas, and you just haven't seen that week in, week out from from Tampa Bay, and uh, they're getting exposed, and you know they, it doesn't look like things are going to get better for them right away. I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah, one one of the things uh, we were talking about in the chat uh, that the the three of us are in uh, with some very sharp high stakes players is uh, the effect of the offensive lines and. 
And, oh, we were talking about some of the things you were talking about there, Jim. Uh, a, a little bit more focused on the lines, but uh, there are just more better defensive players in the league right now. And the offensive lines are, you know, we kind of felt like at a cyclical low, uh, you know, over, over a period of years where there's just not as much talent. Uh, and really the teams that have the best offensive lines are the ones that are able to also, you know, be able to handle all this defensive pressure. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Philadelphia, you know, Detroit is a team that, you know, that you were talking about great quarterbacks. I don't think anybody called Jared Goff necessarily great, but he's got that great offensive line in front of him. So that helps mask that, and he can still function the way that he used to. Whereas, like you were saying, a lot of quarterbacks couldn't really function the way that they were used to. So I think there's a lot going on there. Crazy that the Panthers and the Bucks right now same same point per game average at seventeen point seven. I mean, who would have thought eight weeks ago, right, guys, that we'd be talking about this? So let me ask you guys know how my brain works, and I just quickly talking dynasty right now. If you're because look, I, I would say I know Dan and Theo like you know the Fournettes, uh, w- w- the Bradys. We've got some investments in this offense. Is this an offense you're giving up on now? Is it an offense you see there's still possibility to turn around? Or is this just, you know, move it on namesake uh, while you can type of approach? I think this is something that they could address in the bye week, but they are going to need 100% healthy Julio Jones, and they're going to have to get Gage nearly 100% healthy. The way that they could counteract it is they basically need to go four wides, which is not what they do. That's not something they want to do. But if they had four guys, three of whom can win immediately, Brady could go despite his zone and quickly hit the mismatch that he has cornerback versus receiver. It would be literally just three-step drop, out, three-step drop, out. And he would have enough advantage. But the problem is Julio hasn't been healthy. Gage hasn't been healthy. We're not even sure that Chris Godwin is completely back to where he was. And Evans was gimping on an ankle yesterday. But they would need four healthy receivers, and then they might have a chance to be able just to outman a defense. Yeah, Dynasty-wise, it's a difficult team because Mike Evans is older. They're on. It's difficult to kind of move him. Chris Godwin is kind of right in that wheelhouse age-wise, but he's had so many injuries uh, that he's not somebody you want to put a a huge premium on in Dynasty. I mean, a win-now team, you know, I might take Chris Godwin just because I I like, I kind of like the way he looks and and his usage and all that, but it's still a little scary. Uh, Fournette, I think you're, 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 if you're going to sell him now, you're selling him, it's kind of not worth it because no one's paying up for him. Um, unless you were like two and two and five dynasty wise, I wouldn't get rid of Fournette. I would just kind of ride him out. Rashad White, shout out to nineteen twelve. I mean, Rashad White would be the one if you could pick any Tampa Bay Buccaneer in dynasty. It's Rashad White for me, and it's not particularly close because I think he looks like he has juice. And Jim brings up, you know, kind of like a self scouting to have to switch to four wide. I think you know you've already seen Rashad White hit like thirty percent some weeks. I think maybe they need to to go with Rashad White being on the field, you know, thirty five percent of the time, just as an offense, because he's got explosiveness, he's got juice, and he's a very good receiving back. And I think this offense needs a spark. The, yeah. the problem, the, the problem, Dan, is we're looking at a short week against Baltimore this week for Tampa. Right, right, yeah, for sure. It, it, now, interestingly enough, uh, I, I just did a little exercise uh, this afternoon where I was I was just kind of looking at how many fantasy points per game were available to the, you know, all the skill position players, all the non-quarterbacks. And Tampa actually does quite well at that. Um, They're one of the top offenses in the league as far as generating fantasy points for their skill position players. But a couple things, they're they're one of the worst at converting those fantasy points into touchdowns. Uh, As far as like offensive touchdowns scored, they're one of the worst in the league. They're in the bottom third of the league as far as offensive touchdowns scored. And, you know, so that that makes it a little bit tougher for one. And then the other thing is we've seen a lot of their production kind of fuzzed out. They don't have a real narrow usage tree. They're a little bit more broad. So, you know, when you've got a bunch of players all, you know, having to, you're dividing up the pile too many different ways. So uh, they, they need to get a little bit more focused to be really good for fantasy. And they also need to start getting more of the touchdowns. 
it's a big Thursday game for for, yeah. for both those teams. Both teams, going into Tampa. Sure. I mean, we complain about a lot of these primetime games. I mean, we had a super entertaining Saints Cardinals was a lot of fun, but it was two you know teams that were you know losing teams. I mean, a win against Baltimore in Tampa Bay, I think, would go a long way for for getting things back on track. Uh, I'm excited to talk about that one on our next tailgate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so yeah, and let me let me do a, a real quick yeah. to our partners at the F- FFPC. They help us bring you this awesome programming, get these awesome guests on, and give you guys all this goatness. Right now, you guys can play the weekly challenge, guys. There's a thirty-five dollar entry. There's a two hundred dollar entry week to week. There it is. Win yourself some cash on a weekly basis. Even yeah, Theo, don't worry, about Theo. We'll, we'll bring you back, brother. Uh, but it's just, look, guys, let's face it. We all look at our teams. We, we got multiples and you know, it only takes one guys. Just remember it only takes one or two good ones to smash your year and get yourself some big money. But if, if you're, you know, maybe not in as many leagues right now in the sense that you're competing or participating, this gives you a chance to keep playing, uh, for some money on a weekly basis, myffpc.com. The link is below. Go check it. Then let's get back right to it. All right. So let's, let's move into Atlanta. Um, Kyle Pitts, Drake London have been absolutely neutered by Arthur Smith. Uh, you know, and I think we all thought, well, when they're maybe if they're trailing by a lot, the things will change. But it, as we saw this week, it just doesn't. He's refusing to call pass plays. We know rational coaching has been thrown out. Uh, so are you continuing to start either player, Jim? Uh, is either player droppable? You know, the sad thing is that Atlanta's in the thick of the playoff race. So Arthur Smith has no motivation to change what he's doing. I mean, if the playoffs are today, I think they're in easily. So that's a problem because, and it may be a while before he has to change. So right now, I mean, what, Mariota, 27 pass attempts over the last two games. He's been 20 or fewer in four out of five. He only has 42 completions in his last four games. So it's going nowhere. And Drake London started out well. First two weeks were fine. Last four weeks, he's 101 yards, five targets in two games. How do you play him? He hasn't gone over 30 yards in three games. His route running, he's running routes on less than half of his snaps. And that goes, Pitts is only running routes on 41% of his snaps. So they're blocking, receivers block, tight ends block they're not throwing what do you do and here's the problem it's the disconnect between nfl and fantasy football these two guys are superstars but we're not seeing it it's not turning into fantasy points and they're actually from a team concept they're doing their jobs Pitts is blocking well but for fantasy i don't know how you keep them Pitts especially the worst thing about Pitts is having it on your roster is benching him because in your mind you're like well how do i bench kyle Pitts? just drop him you don't have to make that decision anymore let someone else do it. I, 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 Theo, Kyle, Pitts, Kyle Pitts could, Kyle Pitts could give me zeros for five straight weeks and I would never, ever drop them. I'm, <laughs> I'm a pick man. I get your argument. The, I think that the, the, the being tackled on like the half inch line and missing out on that touchdown was pretty much indicative of the entire Falcons, you know, skill position offensive season. It was so frustrating. He's, he's like a, a dinosaur. Uh, head coach this year. I mean, I think they're so committed to the run. I don't know if it's pr- protecting Mariota or it's just he's that's just his thing. I think that it's a little bit of both. I think they're so committed to it. Uh, I think that the only the only like you know positive thing we've seen, and it's not even a positive really at this point, but it's a guy who I could think's role could kind of grow as the season moves along is Tyler Algier. Because he's had double-digit carries now four straight games. He found the end zone this week. Who knows what they're going to do with Cordero Patterson when he comes back. But I think like Algier, if you have him, he's, you know, he's an, he's a flex. He's an R, he's a low-end RB, RB2 or a RB3 moving forward for me. Just based on the way they're playing uh, and how he looks. But it, it's incredibly frustrating. And... You, if you're the management for Atlanta, why do you use the draft capital on Pitts in London to have them out there not catching passes? Mm-hmm. You could have taken Sewell and you could have taken, you know, any offensive lineman or defensive lineman 
and done this, you know, archaic offense more effectively and had a better defense. Instead, you draft two of these guys so high. It just, it makes no sense to me. None of it makes sense. <laughs> we, we had to let Theo get that one out. That's, uh, Alex, that's shout out to Alex P. Keaton. I'm an abusive relationship with Kyle Pitts. I am not a hostage. And, and Alex, he's on my benches. I won't, but I won't cut him. Oh, okay. whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this for real? 1912, is this for real? Well, I didn't, didn't see that. Yeah, that could have been the other reason why they're holding them out. For draft picks. Wow, that's a, that's a very exciting right, nine, Shout out to 1912, by the way. He, he, uh, he's, he's just a, an artist with the videos. Uh, Ian, the Rappaport, Ian Rappaport reporting it. I really wish that I would have known this before I spent a lot of time writing about Ty Johnson in my waiver wire article today, J.D. That was <laughs> 1912 breaking news on the GOAT district. Shout out to uh, – Breaking news. Shout out to 1912. Love it. Love well it. Done. Well done. That's a, good, that's a good pickup. I mean, I guess we should do instant reactions. Jim, Ooh, what's your reaction geez. to that? So – Obviously, Michael Carter will be the receiving back. Uh, I know that Robinson is great in pass pro, but again, he's proven to be very good, and he's a good runner. Ultimately, I think that there's still acclimation periods. Now, running backs acclimate easier than receivers, but I think Carter has earned a spot on this team. He's done nothing to let them down. Brees Hall was an elite talent that pushed him aside. I do think Carter takes the lead. I do think he goes 60-40. If over time Carter is struggling, playing poorly, I think that could go a little more to a close to even split. But the things that endeared James Robinson to his coaching staff, he doesn't know this coaching staff yet. So he's involved. And because they're in a playoff race, they made this move. I still think Carter's a guy. What do you guys think? I agree with you. I think Carter Carter is, is a more dynamic player and obviously knows the playbook. And he's been a Sala and LaFleur favorite. Um, I'll throw out Jamichael Hasty should be rostered for everybody who plays in, in you know deeper formats. You now have a clear uh, a clear handcuff to Travis Etienne and a very easy backfield to have both pieces of. So I wish I would have known this. I would have written a little bit about Jamichael Hasty and I wouldn't have wasted time uh, or precious ink on Ty Johnson. Um, but this is good. That's this is good stuff. What do you think, JD? Well, I like it, man. You get you guys know I liked Carter last year. Uh, he's he can catch the ball. He gave you thirty six receptions as a rookie in, in in last year's Jets offense. So. Imagine what he can do in, a, in an improved situation. More touches now with Brees Hall injured. For sure, he's not going to replace Brees Hall, but I think he's kind of like that tier below. He's a respectable starting running back if he needs to be, and, and the way this offense is evolving, I think that he, he like uh, Jim nailed it. Like He's, he's really uh, earned himself a, a spot in this offense. They trust him, uh, and, and we're going to see that. It sucks that they lost Brees Hall, and you know somebody mentioned in one of our DMs, it sucks that uh, you know, if you drafted him as a, as a losing team, you bring in a big piece. He starts performing. You losing him, you lose him. But guys, don't give up, man. Don't give up. You know, that's one piece. Uh, there's way to, ways to maneuver. But I think that Carter is a valuable uh, piece moving forward. So if you do have Brees Hall, maybe you spend like a you know late second or early third for Carter right now uh, with like I don't know uh, some some other rookie running back that hasn't hit or a young running back that hasn't hit just to get yourself that, uh, you know, some coverage uh, during uh, Brees Hall's absence. And real quick before Dan, I want to hear what Dan has to say, but this shows you what the Jets think of themselves. Because I think there's a lot of Twitter buzz is the Jets might not view themselves as, as a favorite or a playoff team. Yes, they view themselves as a playoff team. They just went out and spent draft picks, plural, for James Robinson because they need another running back to make the playoffs. So I think that this is, it's very clear the direction they want to go. Does this change what we said about Zach Wilson? Does this is, is 1912 right saying like maybe they do still believe in him and they're gonna or I guess in their quarterback situation, whatever that is. You protect him with running with the running game. Yeah. So sure. Priest Hall was running the ball so effectively you can get by with it. I mean, you might see even more rush attempts now. Um, you know, you could give ten rush attempts to James Robinson and then give Michael Carter all he can handle. What do you think, Dan? So a couple things. First off, um, James Robinson is not Brees Hall, so uh, don't expect that. He is he is he is a poor man's cousin's toy version of Brees Hall, so you know it's not going to be the same. Um, I think in Jacksonville, the name we're overlooking probably is Snoop Connor because I think he probably mm -hmm. projects to be more the oh, James Robinson. Not about our boy Snoop. Yeah, so uh, that's 
You know, I, I, I think a lot of people are going to be moving to pick up Hasty, and I don't necessarily think that's wrong. But uh, if especially if Snoop is coming cheaper, um, then that might be the way to go. So I love that Snoop call. I like that one. I like yeah. that one, Dan. I mean, you maybe Hasty is a like for like replacement for if ETN went down, like mm-hmm. right. do a little more. But I think you might be right on. He's a big back. Yep. And he's different than those than the other two, so that's a that's a good call. But yeah, like Dan said, if you don't, if you think there's indecision, just like playing the Foreman Hubbard situation, just go for whoever is cheaper, yep. and that's kind of the way to play the handcuff. And and that 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 Carolina situation, guys, is the perfect example of why you grab depth in or backfield, good or bad. Like you know, there's talent there in Chuba. There's talent. We saw Foreman last year. CMC's injury prone. He gets traded, but I mean, there, there was always an opportunity for these guys to shine. And if these guys can both give you production every game because they're, they're that involved in the game plan, I think that's that's awesome for fantasy to have these these added pieces. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the Colts. Uh, somebody was asking earlier in the chat about the Colts. Um, you know, and they, they've been really frustrating for fantasy. Matt Ryan just got benched. Jonathan Taylor does not look quite right to me. Um, and as soon as we started to trust Alec Pierce, then Paris Campbell was out there stealing his lunch money. Uh, the tight ends have been cannibalizing each other's production all year long, basically. Um, so, Jim, what are your thoughts on this offense going forward with the change in quarterback and, you know, anything else that you see? The change in quarterback is interesting. Now, I get the problem. The offensive line, they did a little shuffling last week, not week six, but week five, and Dennis Kelly actually played decently, but they went they went right back to being bad yesterday. And the problem is Matt Ryan, being an older player, he needs to step into his throw because he's lost too much off his fastball. And when you muddy the pocket on a quarterback that needs to step into the throw, that's when we see these pick six and these bad decisions. Well, Sam Ellinger isn't probably the answer. He's more of a mobile type guy. His arm strength is apparently not very strong. But what I do think could work, that mobility could help a bit. I mentioned earlier that defenses are finding creative ways to stop the run. What they're doing, and I'm piling on what I said earlier, you find a weak link in the offensive line. Well, the Colts have two. There's two liabilities on their line. And if they're running run stunts and they're attacking those spots, it's really killing the run game. Taylor isn't getting room to run. It used to be a dominant line. Now it's really being attacked. So Ellinger, with the potential mobility, they might be able to go with more RPO looks. I think that could combat the way the Colts line is being attacked because they still have three very good linemen. And if they can hide linemen through pulling guards and, and working the run game with the RPO, I think it could jumpstart them. And then the thing that helps Ellinger is right now, Paris Campbell's been playing most snaps for weeks. Well, obviously he's a middle of the field guy. Michael Pittman, middle of the field guy on slants and crossers. This would be able to work off RPO because he has two players that could work with him. So he may not be a dynamic quarterback, but they might be able to cobble together an offense. The loser here is Alec Pierce. Most of his work, not just he's been running all over, but it's mostly on the sideline, the perimeter. The weak arm quarterback, I think that Frank Reich is going to try to play Ellinger as much inside as he can. I, I think it's, it's for me, it's I downgrade all pass catchers and upgrade Taylor and I think that it's it's just an it's just an odd move it means to me like Foles must really be lacking because I would have gone to Foles um I'm not a huge Ellinger fan but it is what it is they're going with Ellinger and he has some mobility so maybe this unlocks the franchise back Taylor I mean I think simple as that JD you are a Colts fan what do you think of are you did you order the Ellinger jersey in white or blue no, I, but I've got him on a lot of taxis for my Superflex teams just because you, you hold hope. You know, like like there was a bit of that mobility that Jim talked about. I'm looking at the Colts' rushing attempts right now. They're in the bottom of the league. Last year, they were fifth in the league. They're 20, 27th, I think, right now uh, in, the tw- in the 20s anyways. So you would think, Theo, as you mentioned, with Ellinger coming in as, as, a, as a younger quarterback, not as much experience, and maybe trying to change the direction of the, where this team's going this year, that they're going to lean on the run game. And I think that Jonathan Taylor right now is a really nice buy piece in Dynasty uh, with uh, with the the underperformance that we've been getting. 
Yeah, Taylor's got a rebound after after we called Brees Hall the the RB one in Dynasty on so many pods <laughs> over him. So yeah, Brees Hall gets we, hurt, we, and now it's like the you know back from the dead, Jonathan Taylor. We we need to figure out how to get on his bulletin board. Um, yes. So yeah, the goat district motivates him. I'm sure. That's that's right. So we'll work on that. His vision. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's move into. Um, We'll, we'll come back to the Packers if we got time, but I do want to hit Seattle. Uh, they've been a nice surprise all season. Ken Walker bringing the goods for his fantasy managers ever since Penny went down. Um, what do you, can he continue to crank out those chunk runs like uh, an early career Nick Chubb? Um, and then also, what do you what do you think happens to the offense with DK Metcalf out? Um, I for one, I'm not buying. You know the the usual Pete Carroll garbage that, uh, oh, DK could probably, he might be able to play yet this week. I don't buy it. I think he's going to What's the Dan Williamson timeline here? Dan, you think we're looking at four weeks? I think we're, I, you know, I'm no doctor. I haven't seen anything. I'm just looking at the way it came down. I would guess he's probably out for two to three weeks at minimum. So, and it could be much longer. Um, I would not be surprised to see Pete Carroll just every week saying, yeah, he's almost there. He's almost there. Uh, he, 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 we think he'll be able to go this week, and then he's inactive yet again. Dan, don't don't que- don't question Doctor Carroll like that, man. You, <laughs> we we we're still not sure if it was him or Russell that that really led the team. So, yes. Well, I, I, no, I think uh, I, I think he's more of a dentist than a doctor because he's <laughs> chewing that that gum that four out of five dentists recommend. So. Uh... <laughs> So, so, Jim, thoughts on Seattle? Yeah, so when we assume Metcalf's going to miss a while, first of all, the offense functioned well because Shane Waldron offense is very good rhythm and timing-based offense with a lot of good reads set up for a cerebral quarterback. Teddy is a cerebral quarterback, very good at going through those reads. And when you had two, I, I call them elite receivers. I know their fantasy numbers, what Lockett's have been. Anyway. Two elite receivers, Geno Smith was running the offense well. And it also was able to flow so that the running game would be able to do its job because defenses couldn't really overcommit to any one thing. The absence of Metcalf allows defenses to basically just put one player over the top for Lockett on one side and commit an extra body to the run, knowing Carroll wants to run and not being worried about the Marquise Goodwins and the D Eskridges of the world. Defenses can approach them differently. I still think Ken Walker is going to be just fine. I'm just concerned that he's not going to have quite the last couple weeks upside he's shown, but he still has explosive playability. I just think if Metcalf's out, this whole offense is going to get a bit of a downgrade because of the approach that opponents can take. Yeah, I think Jim's right on that. I think that the offense takes a, a downgrade, but I think it might be a slight downgrade. Gino's playing very, very well. Goodwin Goodwin has elite speed. He looked very good this past week. He got five targets. I wonder if if they if they're forced to rethink how they use Noah Fant, who's another big athletic guy. But Ken Walker, I mean, he just looks terrific. And it's kind of like he's like one of these when you see an athlete kind of in the zone, you think about like a guy who goes on a run in the NCAA tournament in basketball or might bat, you know, 400 in a playoff series in baseball. Every time he breaks a, a run that goes like eight yards, it looks like he's thinking about taking it to the house. And like he looks really, really good. So I wonder if maybe they find a way to get him a few more targets in the passing game just because he's so explosive right now. Um, I'm not sure who the secondary target will be after Tyler Lockett. And I don't know, like, I think Tyler Lockett can see a few more targets, but he already had good usage. So I think they're going to have to get a little bit creative here. What do you maybe, the, maybe the tight ends, right? We've seen Disley yeah. and, and, and um, uh, what's his name? Fant. And Fant, you know, get attention, especially in the red zone. So you just think uh, DK's a size guy, right? Yeah, he's going long down the sides, but... They can they can kind of mimic that maybe down the middle and maybe a bit shorter with the tight ends, but still kind of get the size advantage. Uh, number five in points score per game, guys. Seattle right now. That is just that would blow my mind if you told me this like you know in August that this team would be with Geno Smith still there, uh, rocking it like that. So it's going to be interesting to see. But it's nice to see a, a piece like Ken Walker kind of blow up and and kind of give us something new in fantasy land to play with. Yeah. Yep. For sure. 
All right, real quick, let's hit, let's hit the Packers, Jim. What do you what do you think about the Packers? Um, what's what's the problem in Green Bay? Um, you know, it's a little bit like the Jacksonville issue. They lack an explosive element at wide receiver. They try to make Dubs a thing deep downfield, but he's caught like seven of his last eighteen targets. He's clearly not the guy with the explosive element they need. And so the key words I used earlier at Jacksonville defenses can't compress the field on them and Aaron Rodgers like Tom Brady I mentioned earlier with these disguised pressures he doesn't have the pre-snap knowledge he had for most of his career so he's not playing chess against checkers he's now playing chess against chess and that's been more difficult for him and you can see the frustration and then he just doesn't have the guys who can consistently win when he does get single coverage and Ultimately, they find they tried all these different receivers yesterday. And finally, middle of the fourth quarter, oh, you know what? Let's finally put Aaron Jones out on the outside and let him win downfield in the end zone. That was their cheat code the whole time. That was the reason we valued him high going into the season, and they hadn't used him that way. Hopefully it wakes him up because he is the one player that could flip their script a bit. Any hope for AJD, Jim? Well, right now – because I mentioned earlier how defenses are approaching and they're attacking weaknesses in the line. The Packers have weaknesses and they have communication issues. So they were not getting enough out of Dylan. And so basically they backed off his usage. He was getting like 15 carries every week. He's less than like six or nine in two of the last three games. And so, no, at this point, the offense can't afford to run ball because their defense is playing badly. They were expecting to be that 13-4 and four team where they were winning, controlling the ball on the ground. They're trailing in most games, too, so that's another problem. They can't just commit to a running back. The Jets game was, was, was big um, where the Jets really just controlled them and they couldn't move the ball. And I, I think that the Dillon – I will say one thing. You know, it's a lot of people piling on Dillon – but they've gone 0-3 the last three weeks where Dylan hasn't received touches. And I get Aaron Jones looks like one of the best players, you know, best running backs in football right now, but they need to keep his workload manageable or he will break down. He's never been a guy who's been, you know, a 250 carry guy or a, a 90 target guy or something like that. So they have issues. Alan Lazard might miss this week. Uh, they're getting nothing out of out of Christian Watson. He's injured. They have, you know, Romeo Dubs experiment is not, you know, working out like we thought it would. And they lack it's the same issues we saw had people said in the preseason. Fantasy football was right. Green Bay doesn't have enough weapons. And the it's just they're not able to get it done with just the running backs and the defense is disappointing. And the Colts are going to sign Rodgers next year anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill next year. That's your starter. Oh, oh shit, please. please All right, guys. We gotta, we're got we running up against it time-wise. Let's, uh, let's get Jim out of here on this. Um, what are you hoping to see tonight, Jim, out of the uh, Bears and the Patriots? Anything you're looking for in particular? Well, what I'm hoping to see, what I actually see, are probably two different things. I expect Bill Belichick to simply load the box to take away the run, and he's going to spy Fields, and he's going to dare Justin Fields to beat him. And they they haven't played a lot of man this year to Patriots, but I think tonight they will because they're not worried about any Bears receivers. If Fields can make a couple of big-time throws, the game could be interesting. And I think Belichick doesn't think he can. Um, otherwise, Bears defense is weak across the board, so this is just a game where Belichick pounds the ball, limits the passing, a couple play-action shots. I think we had another low-scoring fest on our hands. Hmm. I, want I was Tyquan really hoping Thornton, you would not tell us Dan, that. Tyquan Thornton. We want to see Tyquan Thornton. Don't we need 30? We, I need 30 or something from, from Tyquan. Do you think I get it tonight or what? The, the, no. over, the over-under is 40 in this game. Just that play. I, I, I will say no on that. <laughs> But I want to see Tyquan Thornton and how they use him after his big week last week. You know, screens, get him some ru- some manufactured rushes. I mean, I hope he becomes a thing because he is really fun to watch. Yeah. I will say this just because Joe pointed out Herbert tonight. Uh, we had someone on in the last week. We've had so many awesome guests, by the way. So, guys, go check out the, the past week show, the past two weeks. Uh, but we had some inside scoop on Khalil, uh, possibly hot hand tonight in Chicago. So, Khalil, the real deal maybe blowing up tonight and and i still think there's hope for him to be a, a league winner I, I don't care about this offense man he's montgomery he's could be traded jd montgomery could be traded as well there khalil could be go. could be big 
and then it's and then it's all over, and then it's all over. And this one, and JD's best ball players all just go to the moon. Unfortunately, this one tonight is over. I mean, we could go with Jim. Theo, we got to for sure get Jim back on for, yeah, for a big show. Uh, Jim, this was awesome, man. This was a pleasure uh, to chat with you. Remind the people of all the goodness and where to find it before we close this out, and, and give us a quick prediction. Uh, did you give a, a quick prediction on score tonight, or like what? what <laughs> I was trying to avoid that. He's a, he's a Bears fan. We can't make him do that. No, actually, right, right. he's one of thirty-two. I think the Patriots will take. They're not going to cover the spread here. I'm going to go with the Patriots, sixteen to nine, and cover the eight and a half. Definitely an under game here. You can find me at Jim Coventry NFL on Twitter. That's where a lot of my stuff comes. I'm actually doing five live streams a week on the Roto Wire YouTube, and that's all free. So you can check that out on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Saturdays one to three Eastern, Sundays nine to ten a.m. Eastern, and always at RotoWire.com. Guys, you guys are amazing. I appreciate you having me, and it was just a great time. Awesome, yeah. Jim. Yeah, appreciate it, Jim. Too. Uh, Theo, let us uh, let the people know why they need to tune in uh, the rest of this week. So we'll, I'll be back tomorrow with the OG Livewire waiver wire show. Um, if you like talking, hearing about uh, the Connor versus Hasty uh, dilemma on the waiver wire, we'll we'll spend a few minutes on that and some other names for this week. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and then Thursday we'll have a double header. Um, I'm going to have Dalton Cates on um, during the day. Uh, very sharp guy. If you if you heard him, he's been on the Go District a few times. And then we have a really awesome guest for uh, Tailgate, Dave Hubbard, one of the best, uh, I would say one of the best fantasy football players on earth uh, will be in the GOAT district on, on Thursday night. Uh, very successful high stakes guy and a friend of the show. Guys, make sure you're following the OG Fantasy and Dan, the overhyped sleeper, no E on the end. These guys are no jokes either, man. They know how to rock the fantasy world. Make sure you're following at Jim Commentary NFL. Tune into the big game tonight. Hey, it, it might be, you know, not the most entertaining, but just get on your favorite betting site and make it fun. And, guys, the season's not over, no matter your record. Dynasty redraft's not over yet. All right? Enjoy the game. We'll check you all later. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense (laughs) Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's a... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Awesome time, fellas.